Our scripture lesson today comes from Mark's gospel, the first chapter, starting in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came down from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to the Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. And the first Sunday of Lent, these, these 40 days and Sundays prior to, to Easter, um, we, we, we have a different kind of mood in the, in the service. We wear purple and, uh, as, as a sign of repentance and penitence. And uh, a college student one, one time asked me, she said, why do you bother with all this repentance stuff in Lent? Isn't that a relic from the past, putting all this guilt on people and telling people to fast and give up things like, like, like sugar and meat and all that kind of foolishness? Isn't that something that's, that, that's no good? And you ask people to pray, why, what good is that anyway? Why would you answer her? What would you say if someone said to you, why do you fast? Why do you pray? What good is it? Isn't it a relic from the past? What would you say? I told her a story. I said, well, in my 20s and 30s, early 30s, I was really interested in prayer, and I wanted to be a person of prayer. And so I, I, I took classes in prayer. I had this little book called A Guide for prayer for ministers and other servants and I read it every day a little section and I tried to have time every day in my life for for meditation and quiet and and I had a spiritual director that I went to once a month and that spiritual director said um, I want you to keep a prayer journal and write down things that you experience in your prayer life and how things are going with your spirit so I would go to him um, once a month and talk about my spiritual life and so I, I was very interested in those kinds of things. It's kind of like a Lenten, Lenten practices that we emphasize in the church. And then in my life, when tragedy occurred, I lost my brother-in-law who died of a brain aneurysm. Um, our, our, a tornado came and my daughter was killed and we lost our home. I was at a very different place because my spiritual life was stable. It's as if I had been depositing money in a bank for, for years. And then, like a well, I had been putting water in the well over years. And then when tragedy came, my spiritual life was stable. And I was able then to draw out from that well of, of the prayer life that I had, I had developed over the years. And, and people said to me, during the midst of all that, that tragedy, of course, I was in grief. They said, 
Dale, it makes a difference that you're a person of prayer. Your presence in accepting and dealing with the tragedy is so different. I, I'm not saying that I dealt with the tragedy great. I'm just, I'm just saying that my religious spiritual life was stable because I had invested a lot in my spiritual life. So why do we fast? Why do we emphasize spiritual practices during Lent? Because sometimes we need to wake up. We need to be investing in our relationship with God because there will be a time when in all of our lives when, when tragedy occurs and we need to draw from that deep well of spirituality when we are able to really be in tune with God. It's very interesting in the scripture that I read to you in just these six verses, six verses, so many things happen in Mark's gospel. He really is concise in, in, in what he writes. So Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. Uh, when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And, and a voice in the heaven says, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Then he's driven out into the wilderness. And the wilderness is like a metaphor for, for times uh, a loneliness. Be by yourself. Wilderness can be a metaphor for any time of difficulty, of temptation. So the, an angel drives him out into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. And he deals with wild beasts. I'm interested in what those wild beasts are. Sometimes when I meet Jesus, I want to say, now tell me about those wild beasts. What was it? Was it a rattlesnake? I don't know. What was your wild beast? And angels minister to him. And then the next verse, it goes, John the Baptist was killed. And Jesus began his ministry. He went up to Galilee and he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in just those six verses, we, we, so much happens, and it's all important for, for Lent. There's repentance in Lent. We go to the wilderness in Lent. Forty days plus Sundays is the Lenten season. We, we have a time when we, when we try out something new, some prayer practices. We fast like Jesus fasted. Lent is the season for this to occur. And, and hopefully, if we get into a practice uh, of doing this, then it, it, that practice becomes a habit. And the habit informs our lives and enriches our relationship with God. The early church has been practicing the season of Lent formally since the year 325. So for, for centuries... The, the church has been emphasizing this 40 days plus Sunday, Sundays before Easter as a season of Lent, a season of prayer, season of fasting. Well, I, um, a few years ago, about nine years ago, the church I was serving, Montesano United Methodist Church in Huntsville, gave me the gift of a sabbatical. I had been there a number of years, and in our church every, Every six years, you, you get a sabbatical according to our, our book, of, book of law. And so it was overdue time for me to have a sabbatical. And so I decided that if I, I would do some backpacking, I thought that if Jesus could, could fast and, and go to the wilderness for 40 days to pray, 
Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we go to the wilderness for 40 days in prayer? And so that's what I decided to do. And so I worked out a, uh, a time where I would go up to Maine and New Hampshire and hike the Appalachian Trail and hopefully hike 450. Uh, of course, I thought I might hike 500 miles in, in, in that six-week period, the 40 weeks, 40 days. Um, I was a bit more ambitious than, than actually occurred. I only hiked about 450 miles. But, but it was a time of prayer. And I prepared um, a time of prayer through, through some prayer walks. Four, four different uh, types of prayer that I want to share with you today. The first is the prayer of the senses. Prayer of the senses where we walk in nature and we're just aware of, of how God may be speaking to us in, 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 through nature. You know, prayer always begins with God and it comes to us. And then we lift it back up to God, kind of like a, a little circle. God, it, Our prayer begins with God, the Holy Spirit, and then it comes to us, and then we offer it back up to God. And if we really believe that prayer begins with God, then God can use all things to, to speak to us. And so I would walk and, and just be aware of what I was seeing. I would walk and imagine that, that something that caught my attention um, was, was something meant for me, with a message, it would cause me to meditate on it, to contemplate what it was. For example, when I walked by trees and I could tell their roots were in, intertangled, they were holding each other together, they were supporting each other, just just like that. And I, I would think, huh, those trees are supporting each other, they're unified. How in my life am I unified? What am I unified with that's offering me support? And I would think about that, and I would pray about it, and I give thanks to, to God for that. When I would see a tree that was sent its roots around a big rock, which happens a lot in Maine because there's not a lot of dirt, then I would think, that tree is so adaptive. How, how in my life am I adapting to my situation? How have I changed to adapt so I can grow and thrive. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that the meditation with senses invites us to be alive and alert and attentive and imaginative to whatever catches our attention to say, what is God saying to me through that? To help you do that during Lent, I have, I have recorded a podcast, A Prayer Walk of the Senses, that's available on our, our website in the podcast. It's available on our Facebook page. So you can download it. It's about 20 minutes, and it would guide you through this prayer experience where you go into nature. And you could be walking. You don't have to walk. You can just be outside or looking out your window and just, and just look around and see what, what God might be telling you through your senses. So that's the first prayer walk experience I want to share with you that can be a discipline that you might want to do this Lenten season. The second prayer prayer walk is more of a march. You know, it has rhythm to it. I was in the I was in the marching band when I was in high school, and I still like to march and keep up with time. Four four time is a good good marching rhythm. And if you've been in the band, you you know what that's about. So so I developed a prayer prayer walk and prayer practice that that I would do which which is an intercessory kind of prayer. I pray for myself, I pray for others, and I use the the fruits of the spirit. 
And so I you can use my, my fingers as well as my feet, and it's a rhythm, kind of like a march. And I, and I pray, may I have, and it's four beats with each, each thing, peace with every step, love with every step, grace with every step, hope with every step, joy with every step, friends with every step, Jesus with every step, forgiveness with every step. And then I pray for the next person. I would pray for my wife. May Kelly have peace with every step, love with every step, grace with every step, hope with every step, joy with every step, friends with every step, Jesus with every step, forgiveness with every step. So I would go through this, this marching prayer, this walking prayer that was intercessory for myself and for all the members of my family and people that I was praying for. Uh, in my congregation, I would remember them, and I would pray this over and over again, this repetitious prayer for 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 an hour at a time as I was walking, because I had forty days to to be in the wilderness to pray, and so that was one of the primary prayers that I prayed, especially um, in the mornings um, the first twenty 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 five days that was really my go go to prayer, and what amazed me. When I, when I prayed this repetitious prayer over and over again, it really gave me peace. It gave me comfort. It was a positive thing for me. Um, I just felt exhilarated. Now, in the afternoons, when I would get tired, I wasn't so interested in, in that prayer so much. I just kind of just, um, you know, just walked. And sometimes if I had power in my, in my, in my phone, I would listen to some inspiring music that would kind of help get me up those mountains. Um, they're, they're pretty tough mountains in Maine and New Hampshire. And when times were really tired, the prayer that came to me was a repetitious prayer from, from Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would say that over and over again as I would climb the mountains or go down the mountains, especially if I was really tired and having a hard time. And that, that would boost me up and lift up my spirit. Another prayer that I prayed over and over again has been very popular in the Russian Orthodox tradition and Orthodox tradition. It's called the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And many people over, over the centuries have prayed that prayer over and over again, that repetitious prayer, and it's given them peace, it's given them grace, it's given them strength, and they felt really connected to God. And I had that experience too. There's something that happens when you're in prayer for hours and hours at a time that where, where God really was present with me. And I could just feel his presence. I was just like on fire as I walked. And then about day, day 29, none of those prayers were helping me too much. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me was my main prayer. And on that day, I was tired and, and it was pouring down rain. And I was going down this really steep mountain called Wildcat Mountain. And I, it, it, it's a black diamond ski slope in, in the winter. And I, I was going down a very steep slope and I, and I fell. My, my foot slipped and I became what I describe as um, 
just like a pinball because I, I went from one side of the trail to the next hitting trees and breaking them hitting trees I'm just falling down this mountain and uh, finally there was a big enough tree I was able to grab and 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 hold on to to stop my fall but I, I looked down and I was bleeding and my pants were torn it's pouring down rain and uh, that really shook up my confidence my confidence was shaken from that fall because I thought I could have died and I made my way on down the the hill in the rain pouring down rain and and instead of camping out that night I found a a a lodge that that I stayed at I hadn't planned to stay at a lodge it was expensive but I got out of the rain I got dried off I got a warm warm food and um took a shower and dried my clothes. And it was great to stay in that lodge, well worth the money. And then I really wondered whether I should quit or not. It was day 29. And and I asked a, the next morning a, a lady who was there working. She was a ranger for that, that, that part of the world. And it's right on the edge of the presidential range in New Hampshire, the and I said, I don't know if I can make it over the presidentials. And she said, well, where did you start? And I said, Mount Katahdin in Maine. She said, oh, my goodness, if you started and you've done Katahdin and all these hills and mountains between it, you can make it over the presidentials. Now get out there and and hike. So I did. I kept on hiking. And the next, I hiked that day, spent the night on Mount Madison. The next day, I was on, I summited Mount Washington, which is the highest peak with the worst weather in the world. And I kept, kept going. But then I, um, my prayer just didn't work. I tried the, the walking prayers that I'd been doing, and I just, I didn't want to pray. It just wasn't interesting to me. It just wasn't working for me. I did not feel connected to God. I felt kind of separated from God. I felt like God had abandoned me, what St. John of the Cross would call the, the dark night of the soul. And so I, I, um, I entered a new kind of prayer that was really different for me. I, as a matter of fact, I, I met a hiker coming up the mountain as I was going down. And I told that, they said, how's it going? And I said, I'm thinking about quitting the trail. I'm thinking about getting off. I started at Katahdin, but I'm, and I'm, I think I've done enough. And they said, how are you going to get off? And I said, I don't know. I didn't want to talk to him anymore. I was just too emotional. I was too upset. I just wanted to quit, wanted to give up. And I felt abandoned by God. My prayer life wasn't good. I was tired. I was lonely. I was homesick. I just wanted to get off the trail. But I knew how I was going to get off. I was going to hike down that mountain. There's going to be a road at the bottom. I was going to hitchhike, get a ride to a town with a, with a bus station. I was going to get on the bus, get to the airport, fly home. By tomorrow, that's what I kept thinking I was going to do. And... uh and a funny thing happened. I got to the bottom of the hill, and I kept saying, God, give me a sign. God, give me a sign. Should I get off the trail or not? And you know what God said? God said, nothing. I got no sign. I was just, I was just mad. Should I get off or not? And I made the decision. I got to that, that, that road. Do I quit or not? A car was coming. It was a big Cadillac. And I thought it'd be so easy to put out my hand. I didn't put out my hand. I just kind of kept walking. I walked right in front of that car, right across the road, back into the woods, and I was off. And I said, God, why didn't you give me a sign whether I should quit or not? And at that moment, I got my sign. 
I felt uh, the message came to me was, Dale, this church, your church, has given you the gift of this sabbatical. Why throw it away? You wanted to walk on the Appalachian Trail, hike it to the end, all your 40 days. And from that moment on, it's like a light switched, something switched in my brain. I wasn't so homesick anymore. I didn't want to give up anymore. Something really magical happened. Not magical, spiritual happened. God assured me that I was right where I needed to be. And I just kept going. But still, the prayer that I had prayed in the past, that repetitious prayer, peace with every step, love with every step, grace with every step, joy with every step, joy, um, you know, that prayer wasn't working for me. It was just empty. And so I just hiked on with kind of a, not, not much knowing how to pray anymore. And then something deep from within me came up a prayer that came up and I just started humming it kind of like came from a deep place and it was like a just a hum and I began to just hum open my throat and just hum mm. and that was my prayer and it and it was as if God has was teaching me that we are we so limit ourselves with our prayers when we put them in in little words and that as if God only understands words. God doesn't understand thoughts and feelings and music and homes. And I, as, I, as I was walking from that point on, I just hummed a prayer. And I know that sounds strange, but that's where I was in, in that spiritual awakening for me. I invite you during this season of Lent to find some practice that you can dive into. When I was hiking, when I got to day 30 and wanted to quit, I thought, why did Jesus stay for 40 days in the wilderness? Why not just 30? Why 30's a long time. 40 days. Was, so I, I hiked on for 40 days. Why? So I invite you to, to come up with a prayer practice. And each Sunday during Lent, we're going to introduce a prayer practice that you might want to adopt. This week, you might want to go out in nature and see what God reveals to you through through what you what you see what you hear what you smell what you taste download that that podcast and try it out and see if that's a, a way to reconnect with god in a in a new and surprising way if you're interested in that 40-day wilderness i didn't mean to write a book but I did, and when I got back in, and this little book's called 40 Days in the Wilderness, Reflection and Prayers Along the Appalachian Trail. And um, they're available here at the church, half price, just $10. Um, and you're welcome to come and pick one up if you'd like to, to, to read it. 40 Days, some people use it as a Lenten um, practice, just reading, read for, you know, a day you know, every day, one, one little section, one chapter, and it leads them up to Easter. And I, I pray that if you do that, you will receive a blessing. Well, let us go to God in prayer. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you accept us, even when we don't know how to pray. Help us, oh God, to use this Lenten season as a time, a laboratory, so to speak, to practice a new rhythm of prayer that will sustain us throughout the rest of our days. These things we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen.